This episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast is brought to you by Cedic Run. Cedic Run, located in downtown Grand Forks, caters to everyone. Whether you're a beginning runner or a top-end athlete, SDR has it all. Warm weather is coming, so make sure that when it hits, you've got the shoes, apparel, and nutrition items you need so you can make the most of this summer running season. Speaking of warm weather, what better way to enjoy it than a nice Thursday night rhombus run? Every Thursday evening, meet at the SDR shop downtown at 7 o'clock p.m. to get a nice run in followed by a free pint at the Rhombus Guys Brewery. Another great option is the Saturday morning brunch run, complete with running, good conversation, great friends, and even better, Dakota Don artesian waffles. That's C-Dick Run, where life and running intersect. Ragnarok Athletic Club provides opportunities for athletes of all ages, all events, and all abilities to compete in the sport of track and field. If you're interested in competing in some summer USATF meets or just looking to get more coaching, Ragnarok Athletic Club is for you. Hop on their social medias, especially Instagram, at RagnarokAC, to find more info. Finally, we'd like to thank Draymond Enterprises. Draymond Enterprises. Innovation reimagined. On episode 20, yes, episode 20 of the Prairie Track and Field podcast, we listen to Alyssa Olean, native of Mott, North Dakota, describe her journey from high school runner-up at the state meet to All-American in the javelin throw. Alyssa, Cam, and I were in the same recruiting class at NDSU, so our, our ties run all the way back to Syme Hall. While we talk a lot about track and field, we also have a lot of fun on this episode sharing stories about old teammates, traveling to different meets, and favorite memories that we have. We hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. Thanks so much for listening. If you still want to support us, make sure you follow us on social media, share us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, like our things, put them on their story. It's been really great to see all the feedback we've gotten on recent posts, so thank you so much for helping us in the mission of sharing and spreading track and field across the great state of North Dakota. If you ever need to get in touch with us, you have ideas for a show or you got some suggestions or just want to chat, we're always down for it. Make sure you shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook. Or, like we always say, there's probably someone you know that has one of our phone numbers. Enough about us, though. Let's get into episode 20 of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rail. Hailing from Mott, North Dakota, we are on the call with Alyssa Olean today. She started off her career as just one of the unheralded bison throwers, working her way up the ranks. But by the time she left, she had a school record of 191 feet. She was a two-time All-American and even got the opportunity to compete at the 2018 U.S. Outdoor Championships. We're catching her during finals week of optometry school. <laughs> Alyssa, thank you for say, taking some time out of your busy, busy schedule and joining us this evening. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but how have finals been going for you? It's been crazy. I'm right in the middle. Um, come tomorrow, I will be halfway done. Um, it's just another year, another grind to get to the end of the school year before summer. So just trying to make it to the end. So uh, confirm or deny optometry school finals easier or harder than bio 150 finals with <laughs> Dr. Hodgson. <laughs> so much harder. Oh my gosh. I wish we could go back to those days. Way harder. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> Alyssa, what's like the, over under on times that you wish that you would have just taken your undergrad and got a job and not continued going to school? I mean, there's definitely times like when you're in the heart of it and it's a struggle and you can't, you're simply just trying to like scrape by and you really can't, there's not enough hours in the day to get what you want done. So it's like crossed my path a little bit 
but at the end of the day I have such a passion for what I do and I would never like go back and change like my career path ever I love what I'm doing that's so cool yeah I think it's that that same way with anything hard that anybody does you know there's always going to be moments when you question it but you obviously chose it for a reason just like you know track it's not the easiest sport or the most you know, rewarding sport, not the most public one, but uh, we do it because because we love it and we're good at it. So excited to kind of hear your thoughts on that. So look at Cam tying back a totally unrelated question to track and field. <laughs> okay, so Alyssa, we always ask this question to start off our podcast with any guest, but we just want to know first time you were introduced to track and field. And maybe a little background, I'm guessing track maybe wasn't the very first sport that you joined, but what did it look like from maybe your earlier athletic endeavors when you're in high school, middle school, elementary school, whatever, to the time that you first picked up a javelin? Yeah, so I didn't start track until I actually got to high school. And I was living in Bismarck from elementary school, middle school, and I had done all of like basketball, volleyball, soccer, you know, all kind of the basic sports that you do. And then I transferred to Mott my freshman year. And my first year, I actually didn't even do javelin. I just like jumped and did sprints and all that stuff. And then didn't even really know what javelin was, to be honest. And then my sophomore year of high school, I think we had like a series of 200 meter sprints and now that you know me you know your girl does not run like I was made to throw things clearly and so I'm like okay what can I do to get out of this this sounds (laughs) awful but get out of these sprints and I was like huh that looks fun like that stick over there I wonder what that is and so I actually went over there to my coach and I was like can I try this out and he said no you're gonna hit yourself in the back of the head just you know don't do it And I ended up convincing him to let me try and it actually went okay. And he's like, huh, I think we'll actually put you in it, you know, at an actual track meet. And that's, you know, ever since I started from sophomore of high school, that's where it took off. You see, you see a lot of times, or we hear a lot of times in like class B that people go out uh, for track just because they, they need the numbers kind of with any sport honestly you know uh, everybody in the school or majority of people in the school do it because what else is there to do was that kind of what got you into track in the first place yeah so when obviously your class b it's a very small town there's really not a ton to do and so to make up your time you just join clubs or you join sports or anything to you know make up your time and I really didn't have a spring sport when I transferred to um, Mott and so track was my my next step and yeah that is exactly why I joined. So quick going back to hitting yourself in the back of the head with a javelin <laughs> I did that once. In did high school. <laughs> yeah so I had it was at the duel so Red River and Central so my high school and Cam's high school would always do a spring opening meet and it was just the two schools and I wanted to throw a javelin really bad I think that was the year I had torn my ACL so I was like in the huge brace and was just like all right I'll do do something different and yeah I I actually did that exact same thing so it hurts yeah it it didn't go well I like just helicoptered (laughs) 10 feet or so I love that yeah so did you know very many people in Mott or was like track a great way to meet people or what was the transition from high schools like? Cause Bismarck's obviously a lot bigger than Mott, North Dakota. Yeah. So my mom lived in Bismarck and my dad lived in Mott and I just, I grew up in a small town. So I lived actually in McCluskey, North Dakota before I lived in Bismarck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved to Bismarck my, going into my third grade year. And I just missed like the small town class B feel and vibe. And you can, there's just unlimited options. You can do so much, like you don't get cut from anything. Everyone's involved, all that good stuff. And so, yeah, it was just all my friends are doing track. And so it was just, it was just another thing that I did. I didn't even think twice about it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking here at your NDSU profile and a couple stats from high school. So you were on three state qualifying four by two teams. Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, you say you're not a runner, but clearly you must have <laughs> had a little bit of success. Yeah, I had some. I think I went to state for like long jump one year. I did the four by one and the four by two. Um, I did a little bit of just everything. I wasn't great. I guess for class B, I wasn't awful though, you know, and then javelin obviously was my, my standout. It was my baby. And mm -hmm. so that's where I spent most of my time. After that first trial throw that you had your sophomore year, how were you able to develop and keep getting better? Uh, when we had Riley on, he said that he was given like some VHS tapes, you know, <laughs> just some, like some videos of like, some Olympic throwers and he would just watch those over and over again. And that was all the coaching he had. Were you the only jab thrower on your team? Did you have teammates? Did your coaches know what they were talking about? Yeah. So my head coach, he actually did hurdles in college. And then we had an assistant coach who was like our jumping coach. So we really didn't know a ton about throwing. And so what I do is I would actually just YouTube random throwing videos and I would see random things that I would think oh yeah this is for sure what they're doing to make them throw further after going through Justin St. Clair like I knew nothing let me tell you I thought I knew maybe one or two things about throwing javelin in high school I knew nothing and so it was honestly me just running down the runway and throwing a stick was basically what my high school career was Mm -hmm. were there things that you were able to get when you would go to meets would you ask other throwers or coaches of other teams like to check your step or I guess I don't know that much about jab but you see it a lot in like pole vault that they'll do that teams will work together um, yeah honestly I don't remember doing that I feel like I feel like sometimes they would come to me and be like, hey, do you know anything? And I would, I would be like, I don't really know. You're like, I'd check this like, out. I watch, I nobody watch this really YouTube knew video. how to throw javelin. Nobody knew. It's not yeah. like it's a, it's not allowed in every single state across the United States. You know, most people mm -hmm. can't, can't even do it in high school. So it just wasn't really that big of a event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on that topic real quick in Iowa, they don't have javelin, but then get this, they don't have pole vault and they don't have triple jump. What? Yeah. I wonder why. I don't know. Too dangerous? I know triple javelin jump. is like danger, but I wonder why the others. I mean, obviously pole vault is dangerous. Mm -hmm. But if yeah. they have long jump, why not triple jump? Who knows? Who knows? But hmm. anyway, quick aside, your sophomore year, I mean, you, you take ninth place, so you're not bad. Like you obviously are almost on the podium. So, I mean, what happens then? Because then your junior and senior year, you're state runner up two times. So what changed from your sophomore year to your junior and your senior year? So sophomore year, I think I realized that I was potentially good at something. And so instead of just going to practices and doing whatever I was told all willy nilly and leaving that day, I actually like looked further into it and tried to get better and put more of my focus and my practices towards getting better. And I think that's what really made the leap between like sophomore year to my junior and senior year. So right now then, what do you tell a person that's at a smaller school or even maybe a bigger school that doesn't have an awesome javelin throwing coach? What would you say now to 16, 17, 18 year old Alyssa in high school? I would say if you're able to go to camps, like I know NDSU offers summer clinics where you can come and you can learn from Justin himself or some of the really great javelin throwers from the state and in the nation. And so if you do have the opportunity, I would definitely go to clinics like that. I know there's a lot of javelin throwers on YouTube too that I mean, how do you pick which one's more like your body type or, you know, I just try and do as many drills, I would say, try and look up as many javelin drills. If you don't lift, I would start lifting, um, get yourself a good pair of shoes, stretch a lot. It's a lot of flexibility, <laughs> a lot of explosive work and just, just do your best. That's what I would say. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's hard to imagine that when you first threw the javelin uh, that you were thinking, oh, yeah, this is something that I'm going to do or I want to do uh, in college. Uh, when, when did that start becoming like a reality or even come across your radar? Yes. Yeah, so I actually wanted to do college volleyball and I had done volleyball since I was in like second grade. And I really loved that sport. And I, that was in my mind that I'm like, even if I can just be on the team, a walk on on any division, I would love that so much. But then Javin came around and I was being recruited by D1 and D2 schools. And I was like, wow, this could potentially be more. And so I didn't really think that I, you know, could have been a division one athlete until I started getting those letters that you do um, in high school. And then I do remember my end of my junior year, I think at state, I think Stevie maybe came over and introduced himself and was like, hi, it's really nice to meet you. You know, I'm the coach for, or I'm an assistant coach for NECU. Maybe it wasn't Stevie because he wasn't head coach then. Huh? Maybe it, it could have uh, even been like Ryan. Maybe. maybe it was. Well, someone came and talked to me and I was like, <laughs> okay. And then Justin, I remember messaged me actually and was like, hi, I'm the, th- the throws coach for NDSU and we would love to have you up for a recruiting visit. And that's like how I started looking at NDSU to go there. Mm-hmm. So you finished second as a junior, your senior year, you finished second. Did you feel like there was unfinished business? As oh my a gosh, senior? yes. <laughs> and what's so funny is that Kayla, who I finished second to, ended up being my teammate way down the line. Mm-hmm. You know, she went to Iowa and then she came back and ended up being my teammate, which was such a funny coincidence. But yes, my senior year, I was in the lead and she actually came back on her last throw and out threw me by like two inches or something like that. So yeah, I definitely felt like I was, there was unfinished business there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sweet. And so we'll just kind of like transition into NDSU a little bit, but before we even talk about throwing, we all three lived in the same dorm on the same like not quite the same floor like guys were on fourth floor cam i guess you were on the third floor yeah but Alyssa, like your fifth floor and like look, overlooked like the fourth floor so yeah we, i could look right. down and see you mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so how about like maybe athletic society you can sprinkle that in but i'm just like for some nostalgia purposes for me like what what was your transition to ndsu like what were what were those first like three, four weeks of school, like going from Mott to college. And, and how weird were we? Oh, you, guys are, <laughs> you guys are goofballs, but so am I, so it's fine. <laughs> but no, it was a huge change. I mean, it's a huge change going from class B to division one athletics. And they don't, I mean, you jump in hard. You're going from maybe lifting a dumbbell to Olympic lifting. And you are going from not knowing what the heck you're doing to trying to figure out if you can even do anything right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it was a huge transition athletically and then academically, obviously you're starting school for your career for the rest of your life. So that's a huge change. Luckily I was only a couple hours from home, so it wasn't too bad. And I I had known people that I, you know, is now in college with. So that was nice, but Man, it is such a huge change. You guys definitely made it better, though. I mean, teammates, they definitely make it easier. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, there, there's a pretty pretty neat group of, like, track girls that, were, that lived in the same dorm as us. So, it was, like, you and then Gabby um, and then Lexi Woods. Amanda um, Levine. Amanda Levine. Yeah. Yeah. Jalen. And then yeah. we're Kelsey Laufenberg and Hannah Frost. They were your sweet mates, right? Yep. They were, yes. Did, yeah. were, so, like, Lexi and Gabby, you knew them before just through, like, volleyball and, and like, track? Or did you not really – since they were, like, kind of on the east – they were more eastern part and you were all the way on the west, so. Yeah, I didn't really know – yeah, I, I, I honestly didn't really know them. And since, like, my last couple of years of track really was focused more towards throwing. I never really, yeah. really saw them because we weren't in the same district or region. So I never would have seen them until we got to state. 
So you show up at NDSU, like not really knowing a whole lot of people, maybe a few people from your hometown, but like nobody really on the team. Yeah, not really. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Listen, you actually, you knew, you knew my cousin, Jameson, who. Jameson Cat. No, Jameson Rail. Uh, Maybe, maybe didn't know him like super well, but he lived in New Leipzig. Oh, wow. That's really close. Yeah. I feel like he at least knew you. So like, I I just remember like when you were throwing pretty well a couple of times, he'd be like, oh yeah, we, I remember, you know, (laughs) hearing about, or like seeing you at meets, you know, because he was probably at a lot of the same meets as you were. Right. Um, And he he threw like shot and disc. So in kind of the same area. But. Wait, do you do you not remember Jameson from freshman year? Cam's I... roommate? Okay, this is what you're going to have to say. Jameson and Isaac <laughs> hung out quite a bit. It's, it's a good thing. Like... I'm guessing Jameson doesn't listen to this podcast. That's Jameson probably... does not listen to the pod, no. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, we, we're keeping this in. No. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is fried. Give me a give Hey, me a no, that's okay. Hey, that's one, okay. I okay. Like a little bit unrelated but probably the first uh thing that i like remember you from Alyssa, is that you posted a picture of somebody's car that was in the parking lot and it went viral on iFund. what is did that oh what was that again it was like somebody had written in like car paint like happy one month babe like can't believe we've been together for a month and Hold on! All, all this, all this time, I thought that was Brandon Shields' car. Was it not? <laughs> oh, it might have been his car, actually. <laughs> it could, it very well could have been, but that was you, right, Alyssa? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny! I forgot about that. Oh my gosh! Wow. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll probably have a few more moments like this as we keep going, but <laughs> we get we can get back to track. So freshman year, you had some really good throwers in front of you. Sierra Razanel, another North Dakota native from Carrington. And I feel like your freshman year, correct me if I'm wrong, like obviously for all of us, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to get that transition down of, like you said, starting to lift weights and starting to practice and being sore all the time and balancing it with classes. But if I had to like think back and, try to remember what freshman Alyssa was like, you were just like really happy to be on the team. And you, at that point, I don't think you probably realized that you were going to be an all American down the road. Oh my gosh. No, not at all. I mean, I, I like, I really did anything that I felt like I maybe knew or thought I knew about javelin was all out the window. And basically Justin broke me down and had to remold me into a completely different athlete. And so it's just crazy. I mean, I did go to Oregon for junior nationals. Oh, that's right. I I got like fifth or sixth or something. So that was cool. But I mean, I definitely did not expect like what was coming down the road at all. I actually, my freshman year, this is crazy. It's hard. Like track and field is no joke. It takes a toll on you like mentally, emotionally, physically. I didn't even know if I wanted to go out like for track again my second year because I was just like, it's really hard. It is. Mm -hmm. And, but thankfully I did, you know? Yeah, man. I forgot that you went to junior nationals. Also I'm reading here on the, your bio and after your freshman year, you were ranked second all time at NDSU. So you are, you were actually quite, quite good by the end of your freshman year. Yeah, not not just happy to be on the team. She was ready to crack some skulls and you know take names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, apparently back, I don't remember freshman year well enough, but. Well, see, same. <laughs> okay. Well, there's two of us. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday, you guys. I wish we could go back so bad. <laughs> I wish we could do all four years over again. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, back to track. You go to junior nationals. It says here that you took sixth place. And then your sophomore year, you placed third at the Summit League Championships. Again, I think you took third as a freshman. No, you took second as a freshman. You placed third at the Summit League Championships. And then you qualify for 
the prelims. But this time, instead of just going there and kind of getting the experience, you go there and you put up a pretty good toss and you finish 25th at prelims. So obviously there's a big jump between your freshman and sophomore year. Do you remember coming in that second year feeling more confident or like, I got this. What was that like? Yeah. So sophomore year, I feel like it's so weird because you read my bio and it sounds so great, but I don't remember always feeling that great. Like I remember thinking of like the sophomore slump, you know, your freshman year, you get put together a little bit and you do so much better than you do in high school. But then you get to sophomore year and you have these insane expectations. You expect to do just that much more to grow as much as you did from high school till your first year. And then you, you maybe do. And sometimes you maybe don't. And for me, I felt like I did have a good season, but it wasn't maybe as great as I thought. And I remember getting to prelims and, oh, I was shaking in my boots. Like it was terrifying. There were like six feet tall Oregon duck girls. I was shaking in my boots. I'm serious. These girls, I was like, I could only imagine, you know, being half of the athlete that, that they were. And man, little did I know, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. And just for a comparison, how tall are you? I'm five, two and a half. Gotta (laughs) add that half in there. (laughs) Okay. And then with the, with the boots on that you were shaking in, maybe five, three. (laughs) (laughs) I was five, three with my boots on. Yeah. (laughs) Oh goodness. And then, okay, other quick aside, we'll keep rolling with the random asides in here, but we all lived in the same place sophomore year too. We all moved into the same apartment building. We did. (laughs) And I feel like we were all like, I think you guys lived under me for like, I feel like all of undergrad. (laughs) Um, For maybe, no, just like two years. Because then then we lived in the house. Cam would have. I would, yeah, I was in that. Me and my cousin Jameson, who you apparently don't remember, we were <laughs> we lived together for the net for sophomore and junior year. But <laughs> Alyssa, we had you over to the apartment to have like a, a family like dinner, what? like the first week of sophomore year. I don't remember. Ryan was there. I, don't know why I have blocked out all these memories. I'm sorry. It's okay. I um, mean. I don't take it personally. Yeah. We we didn't spend a lot of time in Cam's apartment because it was a mess most of the time. So <laughs> that's true. That's very, very true. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, <laughs> okay. Out of the sophomore slump though, your junior year, and then we gotta like remind our listeners too, college javelin throwers don't get to compete all indoor season. So you literally train from the moment you step on campus in the fall to the first outdoor meet, which, which is always the end of March. So you go a long, long time. So maybe right now, could you just paint a picture of what that insanely long training block looks like? Absolutely. So you come in fall, right? And yep. you throw so much. I mean, sometimes, okay, this is so dramatic, but like my arm, man, it felt like it was going to fall off mm-hmm. at that point, you know? And you start throwing and you keep throwing and you throw all the way from end of August, beginning of September, all the way until March. And while it seems so long and so, I mean, repetitive because you're, you're doing different drills and different things, but you just want to get out there and compete and you see, you know, indoor come around and everyone just gets a chance to shine and to show like what they've been preparing for. And we just kind of sit there and help you guys at the meets and cheer you on and we just want to be out in the field you know doing our thing and it actually ends up it feels a little bit longer too with all the north dakota winters because you can't throw when it come when the snow comes and when it gets cold outside because the javelins will break obviously um and it's cold and Mm -hmm. so you come inside and we didn't even have the bubble there for maybe the first year or two And so you literally are just throwing these med balls or just these little iron steel balls into a net in the back corner of the indoor track over and over again. And 
So by the time March rolls around and you get in that hot Arizona sun, it's just amazing. And yeah. Alyssa, you threw shot put once or twice during indoors too, didn't you? <laughs> did I throw it or did it throw me? It was bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I think like twice ever, maybe three times. But oh my gosh. Must have been nice just to kind of get a chance to compete a little bit. Yeah, uh, it was it was it was fun. Do you know how you you didn't get last? I'm just gonna go out on the limb and say you didn't get last. I got second to last. So you did I was right. There <laughs> we go. That's right. Uh Alyssa, at, at what point did you have your your injury with was it like with your back or your because that that took up kind of a big chunk of of your like college athletic career you just want to talk about that a little bit yeah sure so I obviously I feel like every javelin throw that you see wears a back brace and the positions that we throw in are absolutely not natural and so a lot of javelin throwers have back issues and shoulder issues and elbow issues and mine was definitely a back issue and it got to the point where I couldn't even hold my positions because I was in so much pain and I was actually wearing a throwing brace. And then when we would lift, I would wear my throwing brace underneath a weightlifting brace. So I was all, I mean, sucked in as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And eventually one time when we were lifting, uh, we were squatting heavy squats and I ended up crashing to the floor because my back just gave out. Um, and it was pretty scary. I mean, I remember Coach Knapp pulling me out from underneath the rack and I just kind of laid there and ended up going to the hospital because I was in pain. And they ended up telling me that I had a lot of spinal issues, a lot of back issues, all these medical terms, whatever. But they basically were like, you need to be done throwing. Like you basically have a fractured back and you need to stop. And so I truly thought my javelin career was over and I actually went to Justin, I did all the goodbyes. I took down my plaque from the locker. Like I, I was done there for a while. Um, I wasn't cleared to throw. I wasn't cleared to do anything. And obviously I didn't let that, it didn't sit with me right. And so I went to a couple other doctors um, and was like, I don't know what you need to do, but you need to clear me to throw because I have to come back. Like I love this sport and I didn't think I actually knew how much I loved it until it was taken away from me. And so I think I went to like, it was my third or fourth doc. And they finally were like, girl, okay, fine. You know, if you're safe and you feel like you know what you're doing, this is on you. Like, I'll clear you. You got to do physical therapy every week. You have to do rehab every week, but I'll clear you. And so Mm -hmm. then I came back. And big shout out to like the the strength and conditioning coaches too, because I remember here and they they modified like a lot of the lifts and stuff for you, um, so that you'd be able to continue training at a level that would allow you to compete at the level that that you wanted to. So, I think that's just like a testament to being an advocate for like yourself and for the goals that you want to achieve. Um, there's there's people who can help you achieve those um, with any limitations that come up, you know, in your life. And that's not just a sports thing. That's, that's in life. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, 1000%. And I do have to give a shout out to Justin because I do remember clear as day. I can picture him in my mind where I was when he told me, but he basically was like, you don't have to be done. He's like, you don't, you do not have to be done. And that, I can literally hear his voice in my head and see it clear as day as if it were yesterday, but that was my, that's what flipped my switch. So. And then, yeah, you went on like to have an awesome junior season. Um, I mean, first of all, I forgot to put this in the intro, but we can kind of work backwards. You competed at the USATF championships that year. I think it was in Sacramento and you finished sixth, Mm -hmm. which is really sweet. And then we can work our way back there. You took 12th and, jab at the ncaa championships second team all american you were the summit league champion that year you won a drake relays title and 
it was just ended up being an awesome season. Does any of those accolades, do any of them stand out to you um, from that junior year or just maybe that fact that you were able to come back and train and compete again, or what was the big takeaway from junior season? Yeah. So it definitely what I mean, accolades are awesome and obviously it feels good when you put in so much work to like reap what you sow. But for me, my junior year anyway, was just like coming back and putting thing, putting myself back together, both like as an athlete, as a person, just all in all. And that's what stood out to me my junior season. And it really truly did flip a switch of how like my competing went on from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy that it's sometimes the setbacks and the injuries and the trials where like you're not even practicing but that really can enhance you. I know Cam that happened to you your was a junior year. You didn't train a whole lot. And then outdoor championships, you came back and took second or third in the steeple at conference. And yeah, even yeah. cross so country, my, you did that the fall of your senior year too. Yeah. So my fourth year was like, I had the starts of like a sports hernia mm-hmm. and I had started feeling it like that indoor season, but I was still able to train. And then it got super bad, wasn't able to train uh, basically all of outdoor season until like I ran a 1500 at the NDSU meet just to show that I could still like race. I won it like not in a great time or anything, but like I could compete. Yeah, went to conference and then was able to, you know, get second in the steeple that year. So, but yeah, and then, then finally had surgery that that summer for it. And then, yeah, you and I, Ryan, were then that like the fall of our, our fifth year. I feel like we've talked about it a couple of times on the pod, but just like we were, we would just swim, you know, a couple nights a week because we were both injured and couldn't really practice. But it was like, this is the, the last chance we have. This is like our senior year. We got to, we got to do something. So mm-hmm. I bought the whole, Joe was hurt. Our other roommate was hurt at the time too. So I bought us all goggles so we could go swim together. Injury crew. <laughs> and I still use those goggles. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I Venmo'd you for those. I'll hit you back here. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yeah, man, well, an awesome junior season. And then we can kind of transition into the last season. I feel like college went by really fast. And now like we're going through your career really fast too. But well, let's pause real quick. How about your favorite Justin story right now? Because you've mentioned Coach St. Clair and the big reason behind your success, but what's your favorite St. Clair moment or story? I don't even know. I think, honestly, Justin, I love you if you listen to this, okay? Just hear me out. Freshman year, he scared me to death. I mean, that man (laughs) scared me so much, and it was – he was terrifying. Okay. And I just <laughs> mm-hmm. think like, as I got older and as he like had kids of his own, he really like softened up and like became maybe saw us as more than just athletes and more as like, as his kids almost. And so watching him go from like having no kids, very strict on sport. He's still, he's still strict. Like he just loves the sport. He has so much passion but then like transferring into this, like just mushy dad, almost a little bit, you know, <laughs> I think that is my favorite part about Justin. I just got to know him more and like a little bit more of his love for the sport and why he does what he does. And he sacrifices just as much as any athlete does, you know, to make us better. And I think that's like, it's not a story, but I guess that's just my favorite thing about him. Mm-hmm. So. So then is there a moment that stands out like a funny thing that happened at a practice or a meet or anything that you can think of? I can't. I'm so bad with memory, you guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got to, I don't know what I need to do here. To Ryan, one of, of one? Well, I mean, he scared me silly too. I have like not a lot of firsthand experiences because he wasn't my coach, but like I remember Austin, my roommate, Austin Schmidt, who's actually going to be on the podcast here pretty soon. He told me a story about you guys were practicing and it was like his last Austin's last impulse. And I don't know if he was quickening it up or too short with it, but you guys are training indoors. You let, rolled out the like 
black mats. You weren't going to scratch up the track or scrape it up with your huge spikes. And I remember Austin saying that he laid down on the track and was like, you need to like impulse over me. Yes. And Austin was like, okay, I got to have a really good one. He like almost tripped or something and just about like ripped up his whole chest with his spikes. I'm pretty sure he told me we'll have to ask Austin in a couple of weeks, but like no, no stories like that stand out. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I definitely had, I mean, the throw, the people in the throws, the buys and throws program are hilarious in themselves. Like we have, I'm biased. I might be biased, but man, there are some incredible people that I have been able to be teammates with. I mean, I can't name one person that I have anything bad to say, or like, we don't have just incredible memories. It's just Mm -hmm. like a family. It really is. Mm -hmm. Do you have, you have a funny, like, what's like, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the throwers who I thought were like the most hilarious, like, well, like you had con- like Conrad or Alex Renner. Renner, Conrad, you had Pops. I mean, just you had Stefan, Peyton, everyone. They're just, they're a hoot. Mm-hmm. And together, what's, like those guys are weird. You think you guys are weird, they're weird. <laughs> what, what's the most food you ever saw consumed at one throwing like team meal? I don't know one, but I definitely know that Peyton and Stefan, I think, had a eat off where they ate as many chicken nuggets or chicken strips as they could at the dining center, I think. And Peyton, I think, got like 60 something. I mean, that man can put down. Oh, man. I wonder, because I remember hearing stories about like the mid distance people, uh, like Jonah Warwick, especially, like going to Buffalo Wild Wings. And on like all you can eat wing night and Jonah put down like 50 some wings or something ridiculous like that. So well, you'll have to yeah. ask them if they're ever on this podcast. Cause yeah. they have funny stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the other day I saw you had shared it on Facebook. I think it was, or maybe it was Instagram. You had reposted it, but the bomb, the big throw, and you know exactly which one I'm talking about without even saying it. are you talking about my one from arizona yes i'm talking about that one yeah that was fun so you that was the first meet of the year so talk us through a fall of your senior year to that monster throw that you had at the baldy castillo open in arizona okay so i think in the fall i don't remember if it was my junior senior i want to say senior year but i had some classes that just didn't line up a lot with Justin's normal training time with Jav. And so there were times where I would have to come and train by myself and Justin would stay with me alone, like as much as he could before he had to go to his next group because we ran from the morning all the way until lifting in the evening. And so in the fall, I had come off kind of a high because I think that I had I think that I had set the school record my senior year potential or my junior year um, as well. And so I was like, okay, I have a lot more in the tank. Like it's my last year. I want to do the best that I can. So I was training alone. I was feeling good. I was able to just like really hone in, like focus on myself, focus on what I was doing. And then spring came around and was throwing pretty well in practice. You know, I was getting, gaining a lot of confidence. We had done some marks just indoor in the bubble and they were going pretty well. And then we do Eskimo relays every year. Mm -hmm. And I remember throwing there and I had thrown further than my school record. And so that had stuck, you know, in my head, just that there is more to give. I didn't know how much more, but I just knew there was more. And so we got to Arizona and we got to train for a week or so before our meet. And I had had some pretty good um, throws training coming in. And then, and then it happened and it was great. I mean, my first three throws were like, I had PR'd my first throw and then my second throw, I PR'd again. And then that third throw was the 58 meter throw. And 
I don't know. It was a dream. I didn't even feel real. Like I remember, mm -hmm. I think it was Kayla. She came up to me. She's like, she shook me and she was like, dude, do you realize what you just did? Like, oh my gosh. She, they, ever, they were so excited for me. And I, I was just stunned. I mean, it was awesome. It was so much fun. Just that whole entire process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that throw just to fact check 5836, which for our Imperial measurement people out there, that is 191 and a half feet. So that is, that is a bomb. What's, what's qualifying class B for North Dakota girls javelin? I think it's like 120 feet. Okay. So 70 feet further than what you would have thrown at Mont. Well, I mean, you probably threw further than the state qualifying mark as a junior and senior in high school, but nonetheless, like a monster throw that ranked second in college that year. It was the third best throw by an American woman that year. It was 51st in the world for the year. So, yeah. And how funny, too, the first person to come up and shake you and congratulate you is the one that you took runner-up to two times in high yeah. school. Like, yeah. full circle. I know. It was great. After you threw that, was did you feel any sort of extra, like, pressure or expectation uh, for how the rest of the season was supposed to go? or how you imagined it going? Oh, yes. <laughs> By that throw, I mean, I was ranked number one, like going into the NCAA until um, one of the Stanford girls ended up throwing farther than me. And then she became number one and I was number two. But I definitely felt I had really high expectations of myself. And I still... I still felt like my senior year was great, but there were definitely meets where I didn't live up to that, or I didn't feel like I lived up to that 58 meter throw um, and did end up getting frustrated with myself because I was like, just do it. Like, you know, you can do it and you haven't, you know, and you're getting closer to the NCAA season and you have now a potential national title, like in the palm of your hands and you're still waiting to throw that 58 again. And I did end up throwing, I think, 57 at in California and was consistent in like the mid 50s, a little bit, maybe lower 50s. But oh, yeah, there was, I put a lot of expectation on myself for sure. Mm -hmm. But you still ended up at the NCAA meet. You did really well at the prelim and you get to NCAAs and just walk us through like the last time you'd been there the year before. And there's just something when you get to the end of your collegiate career and whether it's your last meet and you don't make the conference team or whether it's your last meet and it is the conference meet or it's prelims. There's something about walking into that stadium the last time knowing it's probably the last time you're going to compete. So were, were there a lot of emotions out in Oregon? Yes. There's so many emotions. I mean, you're in Tracktown, USA, first of all, I mean, just the atmosphere of being in Oregon for a NCAA meet says a lot. It's like the Super Bowl for track and field. It really is. It's so exciting. Um, and my parents came out and I had lots of great support. But yeah, I mean, it's insane. I had to really bury my feelings, you know, thinking like this could potentially be the last time that I'll ever throw a javelin, you know, and just put a tough face on and just go and do my job and, and throw, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. And it's experience you can't even describe unless like you're there and you're in the atmosphere and javelin's so cool because it's right in the middle of the field. And so you have, I mean, the crowd on both sides, all the way down the track, you get to warm up going up and down the middle of the track as all these incredible athletes are competing around you. I mean, it really is the experience of a lifetime. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And you took fifth at the meet. So it went really well too. You ended up first team all American and compared to the expectations that you put on after that throw, like were you able to walk away and feel really good about things? I definitely, I mean, obviously I so wish I could have won NCAAs that year. You know, I, I think anyone who is a potential contender wants to win. I mean, who wouldn't, but I definitely did as much as I could and as best as I could. And I can't be upset with how I did. And I loved every moment of it. And I was so happy. I mean, at the end of the meet, I was, 
overjoyed just thinking about where I had ended up versus where I had started. So yeah, no mm-hmm. regrets, none at all. Mm-hmm. So that, that ended up not being the last meet that you threw in. Went on to throw at the USA Championships uh, in Drake uh, just a week or a couple weeks later. Um, I don't, did you get – you got third or fourth? Might have, been, might have been fourth. I can't remember. It's so I bad. I don't know why I, I can't remember. Ryan, Ryan, we were there, and I just remember, like, we saw you go up on, like, the podium, and we were both just like, she just got – a better place at the U S champs than she just did at the NCAA chance. And that, that wasn't like a, like a dig at how you performed at NCAAs. We were like, Oh, she's still like balling out. Um, what, what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, like as a competitor, like nobody ever expects to do poorly. So I'm sure you expected to, to place well at that meet, but what were your thoughts after, you know, placing so high in the whole nation? against the best pros and and some of the same collegiates that you just competed against. Yeah. So it's, it's actually so interesting because NCAA, you can have girl, I mean, the girl who won NCAA championships, my year was from Australia. So people forget, I think that everyone who competes at NCAAs doesn't necessarily compete at USA championships, but then Mm -hmm. you do have the pros at USA championships which is crazy in itself as well. And I got to throw against Kara Winger, who is the USA, you know, javelin record holder and six time. I mean, she's just amazing. She goes to the Olympics. She's, she's phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal person. But again, I just, another blessing just to be there and to be able to do something that I love with all the people that I love. It's just, it sounds frou-frou when you, when I keep saying that, but it truly is. And when you love it and, when you can live out your passion, I mean, there's nothing better, no matter what place you get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point to obviously you're in a really demanding grad program right now. Optometry school is really busy. I think we all got to see our friend, another Syme Hall resident, Isaac Nelson. Like he's been going through it a little bit longer than you have. So we got to see how tough it was for him and you jumped into it. But to be honest, I always thought you were going to come back and throw javelin again. I thought you loved it too much and you wouldn't be able to just completely hang it up. Yeah, I got offered to to go pro after I was done. And I basically was like, had to make a decision. I said, do I put off school or do I go to school and hang up the jersey. And that was probably one of the hardest decisions I'd ever have to make because I wasn't done throwing. I felt like I had a lot left and I had just scratched the surface and throwing. I mean, you look at Riley and he's been throwing however many years and has improved so much even after he graduated undergrad. But there was one summer, my first year after grad school where I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to come back and I'm going to throw at USA championships. Cause I could, I, I thought I could hit the qualifying mark, man. It's, it's demanding. I mean, school and throwing, it is demanding and mm-hmm. it's hard when you live in an area that is so far away from, I mean, it's just a lot easier when you have a javelin, when you have a coach, when you have a place to lift a place to throw. And unfortunately I just don't have that here. And so I had to make the tough sacrifice of, choosing one of my passions over the other mm-hmm. I always wonder like what if what if I would have kept throwing where I could have ended up but mm-hmm. so who, yeah yeah definitely not so tell us about some of these pro deals that you were getting what did those look like and who, it wasn't who great <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like phenomenal Nike or like whatever all of the top like offers but I did had the opportunity to throw for Velasa who, mm-hmm. you know, Riley um, throws for through four mm-hmm. and Alex Renner ended up throwing for them. They both went pro mm-hmm. and they offered me a deal. And I was basically either going to sign my contract for them, or I was going to, you know, put my deposit down for school. And it all happened kind of like by the flip of a coin in the matter of a couple of days. So it was a big switch. 
Yeah, that's that's such like a tough thing about track because any any other like professional sport, somebody at your level would um, at least financially, you know, it, it wouldn't be that big of an issue, or you know, it, the question would be a lot simpler uh, yeah. just from a financial perspective. But yeah, you are even signing a pro contract as a professional track athlete in whatever event is is a big like risk you know and you're like still sacrificing a lot to go pro um so yeah and it is hard because javelin is only outdoor so it's not like you make a career like people who can sprint and can compete all year round it is a lot more and you have a higher chance of getting hurt and then you don't make money because you're not competing and you know, with mm-hmm. optometry school, it's very secure and it is something that I love. And like, you don't have those what ifs because you know where you're going to end up at the end. Mm-hmm. So just talk us through, like, what are some of the lessons that you learned in Javelin that you're still applying today in grad school as you learn to become an optometrist? Oh, I mean, perseverance, 1000% and hard work. Those are I learned that so fast in undergrad with Javelin. I mean, you put your nose to the grindstone and you literally just grind. And that's how it is here too. And fortunately, um, because of learning those things, I've been able to have success here at school. And I've been able to just like expand upon my passions here. And now I teach Um, I found a passion in an area and I can teach other optometry students and I started a club here, a low vision club also at IU. Um, And so just really like taking those passions and all those dedications that I had for track and putting them towards optometry school to make, you know, this career worth it for me. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Alyssa, it's been awesome to hear all about Javelin. It's, Really too bad to know that you don't know Jameson Rail. <laughs> Did anything come back over the episode? I got to Google. I'm on Facebook right sure. now. Facebook him. <laughs> yep. No, you were talking about Joe too. Um, yeah, Joe. I'm, we're actually going to see Joe this weekend. He's, he's living in Salt Lake City and he's coming back for Cam's wedding reception this weekend. So we're getting, yeah. we're getting signed 404 back together. That's awesome. Okay, I definitely do remember him now. He was really good at basketball, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. Yes, I do remember him. Oh, look at you guys. There's, oh, look. Wait, you can't really see that. Oh, yes. Spring break. (laughs) That's, wait, that's when I have my disgustingly long hair. Yeah. Cam had really long hair. And I also, if you look back on freshman year pictures, I didn't know what hair product was. I didn't know, didn't know what it was as a sophomore. I don't think I knew what it was as a junior. It took me a while as a senior. You yeah, look you great. Can... Oh, okay. Look at that beast. <laughs> oh, man. I think that was my sophomore year. Great pick. That's awesome. But, yeah. Oh, man. Great moments. Oh, yeah. Mount Sac Relays. There it is. That might be, a, that might be an almost Friday picture coming up. Yes. <laughs> do it that's awesome yeah well Alyssa, we yeah we can't thank you enough for hopping on especially during a busy week it's been so great to kind of reminisce and catch up and one thing that we just love about this podcast is for people that were at NDSU while you were throwing they knew who you were people in the Fargo-Moorhead community saw enough articles in the forum or on WDAZ but we are just trying to broaden the scope and get names out there and have these conversations so that people can look at these marks and say, wow, somebody from North Dakota did this. They went on to NCAAs. They took fifth in the javelin. They were a two-time All-American, took six at U.S. championships. And whether it's people that are competing masters, whether it's people that are competing in high school or not at all, we are super pumped that more people are going to hear your story and your journey and, and take stuff away from it. So we are just, we are just really glad that we got an interview with you. Thank you. And I'd be on the lookout because Carrie's coming fast for my record. Yeah. I think you have about 10 feet to spare. So yeah. That's my North Dakota girl. I expect nothing less from her. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. So anyway, have a good rest of your finals week. 
Thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Great talking with you.